You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Welcome Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. December 8th, 2021, people. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody is having a great day, and hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun midweek episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Uh, pretty straightforward show today. We are obviously going to open with the biggest story in college sports since the last time I recorded. Mario Cristobal, now the head coach, no longer speculation, no longer Manny Diaz recruiting while he's a lame duck. Mario Cristobal is the head coach. We'll talk a little bit about that, the hire, why it could work, why it might not. And I think that's the interesting element of that. We'll discuss Mario Cristobal in depth. From there, we'll talk a little bit about what does Oregon do from here and what could be the trickle-down effects on that. We'll play a little where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. You guys love it. I love doing it. I love making fun of myself. Maybe even wrap with a little bit of Jimmy V basketball as there were two really big games on on Tuesday night, excuse me, Tennessee, Texas Tech, and of course, also on top of that, Villanova, Syracuse. A couple quick announcements before we get to Mario Cristobal. One, I said on the Thanksgiving show, the Black Friday show, merch is now available. We should finally be ready to sell our patented uh, Kentucky Revenge Tour t-shirts. John Calipari, Chin Coleman, Orlando Antigua on the front of it. If you have not seen it, the design is fire. You can see it on my uh, on my Instagram. You can see it on my Twitter. Make sure to check that one out. A great, great, great gift. A lot of you have already asked. I will make sure there are plenty of t-shirts available. Hit me up if you have any questions. They should be available for sale as early as Wednesday as I picked them up from the printer on Monday. Also, the Mike Effin Woodson t-shirt for any Indiana fan, any friend of an Indiana fan. If you know an Indiana fan, these are going to be very hot sellers. I'm actually wearing my Mike Effin Woodson t-shirt now, which has me fired up a little extra juice there. Uh, the Big Pig Invasion shirt for Arkansas fans will be available soon. We're finalizing some things there. Hit me up with any questions. Really exciting. Also, make sure to be following the team-specific Twitter pages that we have started at Aaron Torres Media. We have Torres on the Hogs for Arkansas. We have Torres on the Vols for Tennessee. We have Torres on UK for Kentucky. Torres on Indiana for IU. Torres on UConn, which speaks for itself with UConn. And Torres on Bama 
for you Bama fans. Make sure to find those pages and follow them there. Very team-specific, team-heavy content. They are run by team-specific fans. So it's not just Torres spitting out a Tennessee hot take here or a Kentucky hot take there. We have real, genuine fans running those pages. Uh, and if you think you'd be good at running one of them, always feel free to reach out. We can uh, try and get something set up. A lot of good stuff going on with AT Media, but again, the t-shirts are available. The Revenge Tour t-shirts are fire, and so too are the Mike Effin Woodson t-shirts. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day, and the topic of the day is that the Miami Hurricanes, they got themselves a new head football coach. Not sure if you heard, but Mario Cristobal is officially the Miami football head coach. And it's really interesting because I'll say this. On Sunday's show, I did talk about kind of the clunky hiring process by, uh, by Miami of Mario Cristobal. They're publicly courting him while he's preparing for a Pac-12 championship game, while Miami, Manny Diaz is still on the road recruiting for Miami. But now that the dust has settled, two things. One, I kind of understand why it had to go down the way that it did. Um, Mario Cristobal wanted to talk to his Oregon team in person and he wanted to he didn't want to have the Brian Kelly text message meeting go away he wanted to talk to them in person he wanted to see them he wanted to speak with them he wanted to explain why he was making the decision that he did so it had to take a few extra hours it had to go a little bit long and unfortunately it really stunk for Manny Diaz and I wish it could have gone down a different way I feel bad for Manny Diaz Manny Diaz is going to be paid millions of dollars to not be the head coach at Miami anymore he will be okay going forward and the other thing I'll say is this I'll give Miami's administration credit. I don't know if Mario Cristobal is going to work. I don't know if he's not going to work. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But what I will say is that they, they knew who they wanted. They got the money together. They said, whatever it takes, we're going to go get our guy, and he, we're bringing him home. And they did it. And I love that, and I love that aggressiveness. I love it when USC went after Lincoln Riley like that. I love it when uh, uh, LSU went after Brian Kelly like that. And I love it with Mario Cristobal. If you know who you want, put the money together, go get the guy that you think can elevate your program to the highest level. And at Miami, that highest level is national championships. So let's get into it. Let's talk about it. And let's talk about why it may work and why it may not. Let's start with the positives because I do think there's a chance Mario Cristobal could be the guy that we have been waiting for at the University of Miami. We know that Miami, at its highest level, it can be one of the two, three, four best programs in college football in my lifetime, maybe one year off, whatever. Miami has won five national championships, okay? That's more than LSU. That's more than Clemson. That's more than Ohio State. Those are all great programs. That's more than USC. So it shows you what Miami can be when it is right. We also know what it has not been over the last 20 or so years since they won their last national championship in 2001, and that is that elite program. And so why does Mario Cristobal work? First of all, he is a Miami guy, as Miami football players like to say. It's a Canes thing you wouldn't understand. And I will say, Miami is just a little bit different, okay? It's not good. It's not bad. It is just a different kind of deal. And it is a program that really, they, they thrive. I don't even know how to properly say it, okay? But it is just different. Mario Cristobal is one of them, and I do believe that's important. Now, what I will say is, Miami has had other guys with Miami ties during kind of this cold streak of the last 20 years. Randy Shannon played at Miami. He was an assistant coach at Miami. He didn't work. Manny Diaz was a, uh, didn't play at Miami, but he, he is from Miami. He knows the city well. It did not work. So that my, uh, Mario Cristobal playing at Miami, being a former assistant coach at Miami, I'm not saying that that guarantees he is going to have success, but I do believe that he has kind of a resume that none of those other guys have. 
had. He played at Miami. He coached at Miami. He has recruited Miami for the past 20 years. And on top of that, oh, by the way, he has essentially built a program himself from the ground up at Oregon to the fringes of a playoff slash national championship contender. And so that's why I think it'll work. And, and I think with Manny Diaz what I, or with uh, Mario Cristobal, what I'll say is this. I think there is so much focus on him being a former player. Well, he played in the late 90s, 80s and early 90s, and I do think that's important. I am telling you, I have talked to several former Miami players over the course of the last three, four, five days. I'm actually trying to get one of them on the podcast on Friday or Monday. We will see if it happens, and they all love him, and they believe he's the guy, and they believe he understands what it takes, and so the part about him having played there is important. What I don't think people realize, though, is the, the resume that he has as a coach in the Miami area and at Miami specifically. After his playing career, he was a, a GA at Miami during the, the early run of Butch Davis before they won a national championship in 2001, okay? During that time, a lot of the best players in college football in the NFL came through that program. Vince Wilfork, Ed Reed, Andre Johnson, Santana Moss, Reggie Wayne, on and on and on. And while he was a GA, while he was an offensive lineman, doesn't mean he coached them hands-on, but one, he was around the program as both a player and an assistant coach during their greatest runs. And on top of that, what I would also say uh, is that even after he left Miami as an assistant coach, he never really stopped recruiting there, and he never really stopped having roots in Miami. Goes to Rutgers with Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano, what are their two focuses in recruiting at Rutgers when Greg Schiano gets there? I know this because I'm a UConn alum, and I followed their program closely during that time. They tried to lock down Jersey, get all the, the NFL caliber players and high-level players coming out of Jersey, and then they hit Southern Florida really hard because of Mario Cristobal's ties and because of Greg Schiano's ties. From there, Mario Cristobal gets the head coaching job at Florida International. What does he do? Takes him to their first ever bowl game during that stretch. He leaves Florida International under some kind of sketchy circumstances. They fire him. A lot of people think they shouldn't have even fired him in the first place. What does he do? He ends up at, my, at, at uh, Alabama, where he recruits Miami, and of course at Oregon as an assistant coach and then as a head coach. And even when he was at Oregon, um, he continued to recruit the Southern Florida area, and that is important as he goes home. I think what is also important is Miami is one of the few jobs, and this is something that the previous few coaching staffs have not done a good enough job, on top of the fact that he is from Miami, on top of the fact that he has recruited Miami, it is one of the few jobs where there really is enough talent right in your own backyard to win a national championship. And I think that is what has been so frustrating for Miami fans over the last 15, 20 years. Year after year after year after year after year, new coach, new coach, new coach, new coach. Some come in, some have success, some don't. Highs, lows, peaks, valleys. But you got all these different guys from all these different areas doing all these different things. Al Golden was from the Northeast. He liked to go north to recruit. And it's like, what are you doing? All your players are there. Manny Diaz, a lot of transfer portal stuff. What are you doing? All your players are there. And in the process, the last 15 years, there have been a lot of really good players from the Miami area that could have gone to Miami that just simply got overlooked or were not interested in the program. Dalvin Cook, who is now with the Minnesota Vikings, went to Florida State. His younger brother, James Cook, is currently uh, at the University of Georgia right now. Alabama has signed Amari Cooper. Alabama has signed Calvin Ridley. Last year, Alabama signed two elite wide receivers from Southern California. And so those players continue to get away. And the thought, and I do believe, if there is ever a guy that is built to build this program back up through Miami players, it is Mario Cristobal. And that is why there is so much excitement with Miami and in the Miami fan base and really among the players as well. 
It is because everybody knows that if Miami just takes care of its business in its own backyard, they have a they have a, 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 a surrounding area of high school players that are good enough to build perennial national championship contenders, and that's why it's so exciting. I said it a few weeks ago when, when the LSU job was open. I said, what is the most appealing thing about the LSU job? I said it's the fact that the last three coaches have won national championships because every kid in Louisiana grows up wanting to go to LSU. And I said, there's a lot of coaches around the country sitting there saying, wait a second now, if Coach O can win a national championship, if Les Miles can win a national championship, there are a lot of coaches that can go into that school and win national championships. And so you look at Miami. Yes, they have not had recent success, but that's kind of the incredible thing if you know the history of Miami football, and many of you do, through those documentaries, the UESPN. At a certain point, the, the, the program kind of ran itself. They won five national championships from the early to mid-80s to 2001 under four different head coaches. This wasn't Nick Saban going to Alabama and setting a standard. This isn't Dabo Sweeney taking Clemson over a 10-year stretch to heights that it has never been. This is a program that when they have the right players in the program, I'm not saying it doesn't matter who coaches, because clearly it does. They haven't had 20 years. They haven't had success in 20 years. But at the same time, the talent is so good, you don't have to be Nick Saban. You don't have to be Dabo Sweeney. You can have success. And I'm not saying that Mario Cristobal isn't a good coach. I'm just saying that if you can lock down all that talent, again, I don't want to say the program runs itself, but Larry Coker did win a national championship there. And I remember interviewing Ed Reed about it. And Ed Reed was like, yeah, I was the captain of the team. I kind of ran practices. I told coach, put together a practice plan. I can teach the DBs. I can handle punishment. We'll take it from here, coach. And that is how good Miami can be at its best, just like, again, LSU, where I don't want to say Coach, coach O had nothing to do with it. I don't want to say Joe Brady had nothing to do with it. But Joe Burrow had a lot to do with it. Patrick Queen had a lot to do with it. Uh, all the star players on that team had a lot to do with it. So that is why there is excitement. And, and I think there's a genuine, again, excitement from the former players. I've talked to a few over the course of this week that this is the guy that can get the job done. At the same time, look, it's only fair that I kind of present the other side as well, and I do not think this is a grand slam home run. I think it's a very, very good hire. I don't think it's can't miss. In the same way, I don't think, by the way, Lincoln Riley is can't miss. I love the Lincoln Riley hire, but Lincoln Riley's never built a program from the ground up. Um, you know, Brian Kelly has never coached in the deep. Like, like, very few coaching hires, if any, are true home run can't miss hires, and I do think this falls in the category. First of all, look, as great as the talent is in Miami, college football has changed. It has changed over the last 20 years, and I'm not saying Miami got left behind. I'm not saying they can't catch up. It is just a different deal now. One, everyone recruits everywhere, right? And this is what I said when Lincoln Riley got hired. I said, like, look, you know, he is going to have success recruiting Southern California, but Ohio State has their foot in that door now. Um, Clemson has their foot in that door now. Alabama has their foot in that door now, and it's the same in South Florida. As great of a head coach as, as Mario Cristobal may be, as great of a recruiter as he may be, Alabama's got a little taste of that South Florida blood, and they want more of it. A little taste of that South Florida wide receiver speed and running back speed, and they want more of it. Same with Georgia. Same with LSU. On and on. And I do think college football has changed where it is not this regional thing anymore. 
the best players want to play against the best and compete against the best. And I still think it's going to be tough, as good as Mario Cristobal might be, to fend off Alabama, to fend off Georgia. There are players, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter who you grew up rooting for, you want to go to the SEC, you want to compete against the best in college football. And as good as Miami is, that's not what you're going to do in the ACC. On top of that, I'll also say this. I just don't think most people realize how big that gap is between those truly two, three, four elite programs, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, and everybody else in college football. To me, this Miami deal, I think Mario Cristobal can make it work. But at the same time, let's, not, let's call a spade a spade here. It is going to take two, three, four elite recruiting classes to catch up to those programs. Size, speed, depth, athleticism, dealing with injuries. I mean, even Mario Cristobal's Oregon team this year, as well as he is recruited, they had two, three, four devastating injuries, and they could never from there catch up or never play at the level that they did early in the season when they were fully healthy. There is a big gap, and Miami is not close to filling that gap. I'm sorry, Miami fans. I know you probably don't want to hear it, I'm just telling you as a fact, that gap is big and there is no guarantee that you can close that gap quickly. Again, it's the same with Lincoln Riley. I watch USC all the time. I'm hosting Fox Sports Radio when USC is playing. And I'm telling you, USC got blown out by uh, Oregon State this year. USC got blown out by a lot of really bad teams. Like the idea that Lincoln Riley is going to come in and in one year turn that program from 4-8 and eight to 11-1 and one and competing for a playoff berth, I don't see it, and it's the same with, with, with Mario Cristobal at Miami. I mean, this is a team that struggled to beat Appalachian State this year. This is a team that struggled uh, against some of the middle-to-bottom-tier ACC teams this year, beat NC State by one, uh, lost to Virginia, beat Georgia Tech by three, lost to Florida State by three. This is not a program that the talent is already there that they're going to just flip it around and be 11-1 next year. Could they get there in two, three years? Yes, I do think they can. But this thing takes time, and that is the big question. Is Mario Cristobal uh, going to be able to have enough time to get the job done that needs to get done? I would also say, Clemson's a real thing. Like, like you're not bringing home Mario Cristobal and paying him $8 million a year to finish second in the ACC and finish in the top 10 or top 15 nationally and win 10 games, go 10-2. and two. You're bringing him back to win national championships, and I'm not saying it cannot be done. I'm just saying Clemson's a pretty big thing in the, in the way, and maybe once we get to a 12-team playoff, maybe the calculus changes. Maybe you don't have to win the ACC every year, and if you get into the playoff, you have enough talent to actually win the thing. But I'm just not saying it's not going to be easy. And then finally with Mario Cristobal, and I do think this is important, I think he's a good coach. Do I think he's like elite though? I don't know if Mario Cristobal is elite. I mean, let's just think about Mario Cristobal's resume. And I've talked a lot about this. He was the head coach at Oregon. I thought he did a really good job at Oregon. I'm not saying he didn't do a great job at Oregon. But, you know, you take over for Willie Taggart. You go 9-4, great. 12-2 and two in 2019, 4-3 in a COVID year last year, 10-3 and three this year. And while I, those are great numbers. I mean, he went 35 and 13 as the head coach at Oregon. And his last two full seasons, he went 22 and five. Those are great records. What I would also say is this. He lost some games he shouldn't have lost. He went into November twice in his time at Oregon with a chance to make the playoff and lost as a, in games that if you're a true playoff contender, let alone a national championship contender, you got to win. Two years ago, go on the road at ASU, lose that game. This past year, 
Utah, I know they were a slight favorite, but you lose that game. Playoff teams don't lose games on the road in November. You're going to have to play road games in Miami in November, or, uh, you know, at Miami against other good teams in November. And so that is something, like, you can't deny. Like, at this point, I think we could sit here and say he went 12-2 and two in 2019. You could maybe argue that he wasted Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, and you go 12-2, and two, you win the Pac-12, but uh, could you have done more with a talent the caliber of Justin Herbert? I don't know. And then this year, again, you go into the final month of the season sitting at 9-1, and one, have a chance to close out strong, have a chance to compete for a playoff berth, and instead you lose to Utah on the road before getting crushed in the Pac-12 championship game. And so what I would say overall, to kind of wrap on Mario Cristobal, I really do like the hire. I really do think it is going to work. I think it's going to make Miami more interesting. I think it's going to make more Miami more relevant. But what I would also say, look at these other hires that happened this year at the $8, $9, $10 million price tag that Mario Cristobal is getting. Lincoln Riley, multiple playoff appearances. Again, I know he didn't build Oklahoma, but he did a pretty good job maintaining it. Brian Kelly, multiple playoff appearances. And again, by the way, Brian Kelly is a perfect example of how hard it is to build a national championship contender at Notre in modern college football. Jim Harbaugh is a perfect example. Jim Harbaugh took seven years to beat Ohio State because Ohio State is at such a high level. Brian Kelly at such a high level builds really good teams that can't beat Bama and can't beat Ohio State. So I'm not saying Miami can't get there. I'm just saying I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be the snap of a fingers. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. But I am genuinely excited to see what happens. Last thought from the Miami perspective. Let me say this. Um, I give the school a bunch of credit. And like I said, it was really clunky and it was really weird. But I think most of you kind of know the backstory on how we got here with Miami football. Earlier this year, Kirk Herbstreet on ESPN College Game Day basically like really went after, um, you know, really went after the uh, really went after the administration for the way that they were running athletics. And he basically said, like, look, um, you know, look, uh, I'm sorry, but you guys aren't putting the money in. You aren't putting in the resources. You guys aren't willing to compete at the highest level like everybody else. And from all reports, that trickled all the way up to the president's office. And the president said, I don't want to get embarrassed on ESPN's college game day. What do we have to do to turn this thing around? And to his credit, put people in charge, made the decision to fire Manny Diaz and go after Mario Cristobal. Could it have been a little less clunky? Of course, everything in life could be a little bit less clunky. Lincoln Riley's departure could have been less clunky. Brian Kelly's departure could have been a little bit less clunky. Um, you know, uh, uh, Marcus Freeman's hire could have been less clunky. It's not Marcus Freeman's fault, but the school kind of, whatever. Actually, Marcus Freeman's hire couldn't have been much less clunky. It was, it was actually done very well on both sides. But the point I'm trying to make is this. Could it have been less clunky? Yeah. But you got your guy, and you got the guy that you believe can compete and win national championships. Can he? Will he? I don't know. But darn, am I excited to find out. Is the U back as I hold the U up in the air? I don't know. They're going to be interesting to watch here over the next couple months, years, and et cetera, and I'm excited to see. Really quick, what I would say in terms of what's next at Oregon, just a really, really, really interesting uh, coaching dynamic there right now as we try and figure out what Oregon is going to do next. Ironically, second time in five years that they lose a head coach late in the process. Willie Taggart went home to Florida. Obviously, he went to Florida State. He was from Florida. It did not work out for Willie Taggart. Um, and we'll see if it works out for Mario Cristobal, but this is the second time they have been in this position um, you know, in the last five years. They did the smart thing last time. It worked out really well just keeping Mario Cristobal. I don't know if there is that guy on the staff at this point. And so it'll be interesting to see is what they do from there. Um, I, the first name, and it's really interesting, right? I'll even take it a step back. 
we first started kind of seeing these Miami reports on like Friday of last week. I'll tell you this. I was getting ready to do radio on Saturday, and I see John Canzano, the biggest radio voice in the state of Oregon. He puts out a tweet that says, if Mario Cristobal goes to Miami, Chip Kelly will be UCLA's first choice. Now, Chip Kelly is interesting. We'll get to him in a minute. But that was the first sign that I was like, oh, this Miami stuff might have actual legs. Because I don't think the biggest radio voice in the state of Oregon is just going to haphazardly put out a social media post about what happens if Oregon loses Mario Cristobal if they don't think that they're actually going to lose Mario Cristobal. So I give him a little bit of credit because he really put it out there. And so let's talk about it. I think the first choice, obviously, you got to call Chip Kelly. I know it didn't end well. I know there was hurt feelings at the end. But I think Chip Kelly's a great coach. I've said it on this podcast. I don't understand why UCLA fans aren't happy with him. I hear UCLA fans here in L.A. like not happy with him, not content, all that good stuff. And I'll just sit there and say I, I don't really see it. I mean, he took over a, a, a program that was, I don't want to say a mess because you know, Jim Mora, one of the greatest coaches of all time, UConn Huskies, was the previous head coach. So, I mean, I'm not saying it was a mess, but it took a while to get it to where he wanted to go. But as I've said many times, last year, if it had been a normal season, they finished three and four, easily could have beaten Oregon, easily could have beaten USC. Uh, If it was a normal season, they would have got their six wins. They would have gone to a bowl game. So last year, they were already trending to go to a bowl game. And this year, they go eight and four. And so, Uh, you know, Oregon obviously has better resources, has more money, has better facilities. I should mention, by the way, UCLA has some great facilities that have been built in the last five years. When I was down on campus a few weeks ago for the UCLA Villanova basketball game, you walk right by the new football facility and it is a stunner. And so I think UCLA is a better job. uh, But I think Chip Kelly is kind of obviously the first choice for Oregon. I think they're going to call. I think they're going to offer money. I think, uh, you know, you kind of, uh, like I said, um, you know, uh, uh, people get frustrated in the moment, but I think him and Phil Knight have probably moved past it. If Chip Kelly doesn't take the job, I don't know where they go from here. It's not to say it's not a good job. It's not to say they won't get a good candidate. I just don't know who you get at this time of year. I've seen Brian Harson's name linked, the Auburn head coach, who, of course, spent so many years at Boise. You begin to wonder if he's already starting to feel the heat at Auburn. Um, and other than that, you know, there's some names I just don't buy. I don't buy Bill O'Brien. I tweeted about it the other day. I do think that Bill O'Brien's agent is trying to manufacture a market for Bill O'Brien that isn't there. Uh, but, you know, you get past Chip Kelly, it starts to get interesting as to who you could get so late in the process. Really, really tough spot for Oregon. But listen, here's the thing with Oregon. They are a program that, frankly, Uh, is probably in better position than anyone other than USC to have the highest level of success. What I would say about Oregon, though, is two things. Two candidates that, like, can we just stop? Dave Aranda, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I was wrong on Mario Cristobal, and we'll get to that where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. I think Dave Aranda's hanging at Baylor. He's happy there. He's low-key. He's got the program where he wants it. He just won the Big 12. I don't see him leaving for Oregon. Maybe I'm wrong. And Lane Kiffin just signed an extension. I know it's sexy to put Lane Kiffin's name in every one of these coaching searches. Trust me, when the first coach is fired next year, I'll probably throw his name in there too because uh, he is a guy that is always going to attract interest. But I'll just tell you, I I don't see him leaving Ole Miss for Oregon. Uh, He seems more SEC at this point than he does small West Coast, um, you know, school. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I just don't think. Finally, what I would say about this, UCLA, a lot of people have asked me, well, what happens to UCLA if Chip Kelly le- if Chip Kelly leaves for Oregon? I don't have a good answer on that one, man. I really don't. And I, I like to be prepared. And I like to think. And what would this mean? And who could they go after? 
there's not very many coaches left that are going to make the fan base happy that haven't either gotten new jobs or signed extensions yet. There were a lot of good, interesting ones, uh, but I don't know who that would be if, if Chip Kelly does decide to leave for Oregon. It's going to be fascinating, though. Uh, we're now here in the middle of December. We thought all these jobs were filled. Oh, by the way, Oregon, probably from facilities and, and resources perspective, one of the seven, ten best jobs in the country is now available. I just want to do, I want to take a quick break. I want to come back. I want to play a little game that America loves. It's called Where Aaron Was Right, Where Aaron Was Wrong. I'll be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. And I do want to switch gears. And first of all, I'll say this. I was planning on talking a little college hoops in this segment, but we just wrapped one of the worst games I've ever seen in the Jimmy V Classic, Tennessee, Texas Tech. Uh, final score in that one was 57-52 after overtime. They played overtime, and it was still 57-52. Tennessee finished something like 3 of like 35 from 3. I mean, it was a truly awful game. And so I'm not going to talk college hoops. Instead, we'll just get into where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, and we'll wrap the show. For people who do not know where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, one, yes, I did steal the concept from my buddy Colin Cowherd. I've been, around, been on with Colin a few times. I like him. I think he likes me. Um, but I love this segment, and the concept of this se segment is exactly what it sounds like. Sometimes I get stuff right, and you know that nobody loves to brag more about stuff that they got right than Torres. Your boy Torres told you this. Torres, well... Sometimes Torres gets stuff wrong too. And sometimes you got to take the walk of shame. Sometimes you got to own it. And so we spent a lot of this segment talking about stuff that I got right. And we talk about some stuff that I got wrong. Let's get into it where Aaron was right. About mid-September to early October, if you listen to the college football betting show, and you should, I mean, we're not doing very many right now because it's bowl season, then we're going to the off season. But on the college football betting show about mid to late September, early October, I said, you know, I think I like this Michigan football team. Now, I did say at the time, I said, look, I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State because they never beat Ohio State. They'll probably take a bad loss because they always take a bad loss. But I like how they play. I like their identity. They're physical. They're tough. And in one offseason, they went from a team that couldn't block or tackle to being one of the most physically impressive teams in college football. And I like their quarterback, Cade McNamara. I like the fact that he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't try to do too much. He stays within himself. Bing, bang, boom. What ends up happening? Michigan wins the Big Ten, beats Ohio State. Now, I, didn't, I can't take credit for predicting that, but what I did say from the beginning, I said, look, this team has an identity. This team is tough. I actually think this team has a chance to be good. Now they're in the college football playoff as the Big Ten champs, and I'll just tell you, I think they got a shot against Georgia. You know I love my dogs. How about my dogs? But at the same time, Georgia was kind of exposed. Now, Michigan doesn't have the vertical passing game that Alabama does to, uh, to exploit Georgia the way that Alabama did. But at the same time, Michigan, you could argue, is playing better football right now than anyone entering the, uh, entering the college football playoff. They are just as physical as Georgia, and Georgia's gotten a little bit exposed. That aura of invincibility is no longer there. I like Michigan. I don't know if I'm going to pick them to win, but that seven points feels too much. But give credit to Jim Harbaugh. He has flipped this program in one offseason. But if you listen to that college football betting show, I told you probably about six, seven weeks ago, I said, this, this team has a chance to be good. I don't know if they'll get there, but this team at least looks different. They are different, as it turns out. Michigan is headed to the college football playoff. Where Aaron was wrong, uh, I just got to own it. I completely whiffed. 
on this entire Miami situation. And if you remember, if you listened two, three weeks ago, Miami fired their AD, Blake James. And when they did, I basically said this. I said, look, nobody fires their AD in the middle to the end of November and expects to hire a football coach in the next two to three weeks. That's not how it happens. What happens is it's a two, three, four week process to hire the AD. Then the AD will come in, he'll evaluate Manny Diaz, and very likely he will get the Clay Helen at Orgeron treatment where the second things go wrong in 2022, they will go ahead and fire Manny Diaz and get a head start on the cycle next year. Well, like I said, completely wrong, and it's because it's just what I said a minute ago. Miami was just much more aggressive than we could have ever anticipated. They don't even have an AD, and they went out and got Mario Cristobal. So credit to them. Listen, I could, I can argue and debate was the was the process clunky? Should they have fired Manny Diaz earlier? Whatever. At the end of the day, there was one candidate they wanted. There was one candidate that the fans were going to be happy with, that the former players were going to be happy with. And to their credit, they went out and got him. I thought they might be able to get Mario Cristobal next year. I thought Manny Diaz would get until at least early 2022, and if things fell off really quick, he would be fired. I just completely whiffed on that one because I'm telling you, I did not see Miami moving this fast, let alone getting the guy that they wanted in uh, Mario Cristobal. So credit to Miami. I just completely whiffed on that one. Where Aaron was right. If you go back to the preseason in college football, Cole Kublick from ESPN came on the show at one point, and I asked Cole straight up. I said, there's an awful lot of LSU hype, and I got to be honest, I don't really see it. I think they'll be better. I think they'll be better than they were last year at 5-5, five and five, but I, I, don't, I don't get it, and I don't see it, and I don't understand why people are so excited about them, and I said it was for two reasons. I said, one, the defense was historically bad last year, and I just don't think you can improve that incrementally to become a fringe college football playoff contender, which is what people were talking about them in the preseason. I also said, once Miles Brennan got hurt, I said, I don't think Max Johnson is good enough to be an SEC quarterback. Well, what happened? Tuesday night, Max Johnson announces he's entering the transfer portal, uh, and there's all sorts of rumors about this. Is Brian Kelly going to take one of his quarterbacks from Notre Dame? Uh, I think Tyler Buckner's the kid's name. Is he going to take him with him to LSU? Is LSU targeting someone else in the portal? I don't know, but it is clear that either Max Johnson, who was LSU starter for most of this year, either knows he's not going to be the starter, knows Brian Kelly doesn't trust in him, or if we know Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly might have just told him straight up, you're not good enough to play here, hit the portal. Either way, Max Johnson, LSU starter for most of last year, completed only 60% of his passes, obviously lost some games that he shouldn't have. The defense was mostly good. The offense could not move the ball. Not all of it was his fault. He hits the transfer portal. It's worth noting, by the way, his brother, a four-star tight end who also decommitted from LSU but I told you I said I don't trust their quarterback now that Miles Brennan is hurt I don't trust the defense Max Johnson now in the transfer portal where Aaron was wrong you got to go back a few years ago for this one but in uh, I think it was uh, three or four off seasons ago Louisville obviously the wheels fell off with Bobby Petrino and at the time, obviously, look, Nick Coffey's a great friend of mine. He comes on the show all the time. And I remember when Scott Satterfield was hired, and I remember talking to Nick about this. And I will tell you, I heard from all sorts of people that Scott Satterfield, stand-up guy, he's going to work. He's the kind of guy that Louisville needs to be their head coach in football. This is the guy. He's going to get this program back on track, and he's going to give you something to be proud of as a Louisville football fan. I tweeted it out. The tweet is still there. Uh, yeah, not so good. 
Scott Satterfield goes eight and five his first year, four and seven last year, six and six this year. But if you look at the six and six, I mean, come on, it's not like uh, you know he beat he he beat a bunch of world beaters. Gets beat fifty two to twenty one in the in the final game of the season against Kentucky in the Governor's Cup. Absolutely gets destroyed. Had two, three, four marquee players transfer out since the season ended. Of course, last year he had players opting out in the middle of the year. And it's worth noting, oh, by the way, last offseason, he just completely bungled the situation where he interviewed for the South Carolina job, then tried to do this triumphant return like Louisville fans should be grateful that he was coming back after a four and seven season. It's been a disaster. I don't know if he will survive this offseason. It feels as though they as though he will, if only, by the way, because Louisville's AD is trying to get a new job. But this thing has not worked out. He does not seem to be the answer. And more importantly than anything else, more importantly than anything else, there's no reason for optimism. When you have good young players, they're transferring out of the program. When you have a big win, it's followed by a bad loss. I do remember, and I believe Nick Coffey said this on this show, um, you know, that Scott Satterfield was coming from Appalachian State. He had never really uh, been on the major, major, major stage of college football. And maybe he's just not a guy that's built for the power conferences. But right now, it does not look good. By the way, Nick Coffey didn't say he wasn't built for the power conferences. But he did say at the time, came from App State, small school. Who knows what he's going to be like in a major conference. Regardless, the point I'm trying to make, Scott Satterfield clearly not working out at Louisville. And we'll see if things get better. It appears as though he's coming back for 2022. But it does does not look good. Where Aaron was right, let's get to some college hoops. And I'll tell you this, in the offseason, you know, I do my preseason top 25, and, and you guys like it, and I do it because people want to read it, right? Um, and I had Purdue really high, and I got some pushback. Oh, what a Purdue this? Like, are you? do you really have them that high? And what I said was this. I said, look, there's nothing sexy about taking a team that was really good last year and literally returns everybody and putting them really high in the top 25. But there is some value there, right? Like in college football, college basketball, we like talking about the, especially in basketball, the one and done recruits, the big time transfers, the coaching changes, like a big 10 team just returning literally everybody off a top 20 team just ain't all that sexy. Well, guess what happened? Purdue is it number one in the country for the first time in school history. They took care of Iowa late last week. They are now 8-0, and they are number one in the country for the first time in school history. Also, by the way, destroyed Florida State in the Big 12 ACC Challenge, beat North Carolina and Villanova in that tournament at Mohegan Sun. Look, I still don't know if they're the best team in the country. I watched that Villanova game closely. They easily could have lost that game. Villanova was in control. But I just bring it up to very simply say that, look, sometimes in college basketball, it is not sexy to talk about uh, teams that just return everybody, don't hit the transfer portal, things like that. But with that said, Purdue, number one in the country. Congratulations to them. I told you all offseason. I said, look, there's nothing sexy about them, but they are a really, really, really good team. Where Aaron was wrong. I mean, I was really right on this, but shame on me. On Monday's episode, I was talking about Alabama's basketball team beating up on Gonzaga. And I said, the SEC, it's incredible. How about everybody that started listing off teams? That part I was right on. Then I listed off one little team that I said, you know what? I've given this guy a lot of criticism over the last couple years. Let me go ahead and give credit where credit's due. Mike White, Florida Gators, they're awesome. They're awesome. When I recorded 6-1, win over Ohio State, win over Florida State, oh my God, they're amazing. What do they do on Monday night? At home against a Texas Southern team coached by Johnny Jones, 0-7. Final score, 
Texas Southern 69, Florida 54. I'm never again saying anything nice about Mike White. What was I doing? What was I thinking? This is why, you know, this is what happens. I'm getting soft in my old age. Everybody says, Torres, you're too nice. You're getting too nice in your old age. Yeah, I was. I said nice things about Mike White. I said nice things about Mike White. Shame on me. Shame on me, shame on me, shame on me. However, with that said, really quick, where Aaron was right, I wasn't even going to do this one. I don't even have notes. I'm telling you right now, Marquette's a real team. Shaka Smart's another guy I've crushed through the years. I've watched three or four Marquette games already this year. He is back to playing the style that he played. Uh, that, but this, this is where Aaron was wrong. I think I said where Aaron was right. Where Aaron was wrong, Shaka Smart, I crushed him at Texas. Look, I think he was recruiting the wrong kinds of kids, one and done. I got to play a certain style. I got to recruit a certain kid. He's just got a bunch of junkyard dogs at Marquette. They lost to Wisconsin over the course of the weekend, but I watched the entire game. They played their butts off. They play hard. They play UCLA this weekend. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I could very easily see them beating UCLA this weekend. So I was wrong on Mike White for being too nice, but I was wrong on Shaka Smart because I think he's got a real team. But Mike White, Mike White, Texas Southern 69, Florida 54. What was I thinking being nice to Mike White? Really quickly, where Aaron was right, uh, listen, I hate to gloat, I hate to brag, and I don't even know if today's the day that I should do this, because uh, Monday Night Football, Mac Jones, not sure if you saw it, two of three passing, 19 yards. Yes, he threw three passes on Monday Night Football. You guys already saw it. You don't need me to tell you. But I told you in the draft, I said, everybody's freaking out. Mac Jones, oh my God, how could they possibly, you know, how could he possibly go number three to San Francisco? It's so unfair. You know, people talk about racism of this. I said, look, guy completed 80% of his passes at Alabama. Don't tell me that anybody could have done it because nobody in the history of college football has ever done it. Well, Patriots are now nine and four. They have the inside track for the number one seed. They've won seven in a row. And I'm by no means saying that Mac Jones is the reason why. But I just told you, this guy's going to be a, an above-average, competent NFL quarterback. I'm not saying he's going to win you know, he's Tom, the next Tom Brady. I'm not saying he's going to throw for 40 touchdowns his first year. But he's not going to embarrass you. He's not going to lose you games. And that's exactly what they're doing. Patriots are 9-4. They have a half-game lead over Tennessee for first place in the AFC. And they're headed to the playoffs. And they could be headed to the playoffs as the number one seed. They could be headed to a freaking Super Bowl. Not saying Mac Jones, after throwing three passes, is the reason why. But I always said he would be a good NFL quarterback, and he absolutely was. Finally, where Aaron was wrong, another NFL one. Listen, I was a Baker Mayfield guy coming out of college. I said, don't draft Sam Darnold. I guess I was right on that. Baker Mayfield is your guy. Baker's a disaster. And, and what I'll say about Baker is a couple things. One, he was actually pretty good last year in the playoff run for Cleveland. And I'll also say we all know he's dealing with all sorts of crazy injuries. But I don't talk a ton of NFL football. But I watched that Sunday night game when he lost to Lamar, when Lamar threw four interceptions in one game. Look, Baker's clearly hurt, but if you're too hurt to complete passes, then you can't play. And so part of it's on Kevin Stefanski. The player wants to play. I get it. But Baker Mayfield in his last game, 18 of 37 passing. Uh, the, the Browns had under 240 yards, 262 yards of total offense, 4.6 yards per play. You can't win football games like this. And so I know there was a big back and forth between him and Odell when Odell left. And I understand that he's not the only reason to blame, but he stinks right now. And the bottom line is this, if you're not healthy enough to play, you can't play. But if you got to, if you are out there, you got to perform better than he has. I just don't think he's a franchise quarterback. 
I think the Browns obviously franchise tag him this year, bring him back for another year, but you just cannot give this guy $40 million a year or whatever the going rate is for quarterbacks. All right. I think with that said, I think with that said, I'm going to get out of here. Great episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. As always, want to thank you guys for listening. Before we get out of here, make sure that you are subscribed. iTunes, the podcast Static app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure to rate and review. Quick five stars. Let us know what you like, all that good stuff. Also, gear, merch, Mike F. and Woodson shirts, the Revenge Tour t-shirts, Kentucky basketball. Oh, by the way, Big Pig Invasion shirts are coming. Many of you have DM'd me about all three. Mike Woodson, uh, Kentucky should be available for purchase on Wednesday. Hit me up with any questions. And, of course, the Big Pig Invasion shirt, as soon as we have them ready to go, I will let you know. Beyond that, we have a pretty cool Alabama shirt coming for Alabama basketball fans. A couple other ones in the works. But the Torres Media merch game is alive and well. With that said, I'm going to get out of here. Again, thank you guys for listening. By the way, Manscaped.com, promo code Torres. Make sure you're doing that as well. I should mention, apparently Manscaped has a promo across their website for 20% off. So if you really want to help me out, go to the website, click out of their promo, putting promo code Torres so, you can, so I can get a credit for it. It's complicated. Hit me up with any questions. But I appreciate your, your support. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who, who hates my voice. Shout out to... Freaking Miami football. $8 million a year for Mario Cristobal. Excited to see what happens there. Guys and girls, I will be back on Friday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.